Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 23 of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 15 of Genesis 8. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds went forth out of the ark. I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, we were talking last time about verse 17, and we were considering the spiritual picture. Uh, we, we know the historical context of Genesis 8 is the time after the flood, and it's very fitting for mankind, the eight souls, and all the animals to go out onto the dry land, and it's a very appropriate point in time for God to give these instructions, these commandments, to direct man and creature on what they are to do. This is what the Lord uh, would have them to do to fill the earth. And historically, we understand that very well. Spiritually, we saw that uh, the the animals, the not clean animals, especially on the ark, typified the creation and their coming out of the ark onto the dry ground is pointing to the establishing of the new earth and the new heaven. And we don't know this for sure because God doesn't give us specifics, but there's a strong probability that God, who populated this creation, this earth, with not just mankind, his special creature created in his image, but with a wide variety of creatures, that uh, since this is um, what we really, all we have to go on, uh, although the Bible speaks of principalities and powers and 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 does give evidence that that God has been creating other creations and other creatures uh, for as long as he has been God from all eternity past. But but uh, we're speculating about that because, again, God is not specifically telling us those things. We're uh, just inferring it from the reference to principalities and powers and, and some other information. But what we do know specifically is this world, this creation, and we see, again, an enormous array of creatures. 
a whole variety of created life forms that that are uh, spectacular in their differences from an elephant to a mosquito. And we're just uh, amazed at the brilliance of God. Uh, you know, uh, just just think if you or myself or any human being or any 100 or 1,000 human beings got together and uh, without, you know, already knowing the creatures that we know all around us and we we got together and we decided to um, give some characteristics and and to try and design creatures. Well, we might be able to come up with some. I'm sure we, we could. And, and man has imagination uh, because he is made in God's image. And, and so we could, we could come up with uh, a fair number of creatures, but they would probably be very much like ourselves. And we, we just don't have that extensive ability and knowledge and that um, tremendous intellect that God possesses and the wonderful attention to detail that he has where he can make these creatures. There, There's a whole world of creatures that are microscopic that we cannot even see. But God sees them. God created them. They're living organisms. They're they're living creatures. They they uh, go about their daily routines, and God has designed them uh, with intricate detail and care. And he he just is a wonderful creator. This is one of the works that God does. God tells us because. He worked six days to create this world. So God, when he works, we know he creates. We also know his salvation program uh, was a result of his work. This is the work of God that ye believe, it says in John chapter 6. And, and so that's also another wonderful area where God works. But God goes about the business of of his work and he creates and, and he forms creatures, creatures we can see, um, very large creatures. He's created dinosaurs and whales and, and, um, elephants and, and, and hippos and, and, and then very tiny creatures, very small creatures. Again, uh, the microscopic creatures. It is a testimony to his unlimited ability to create. And so we would expect, we, we would expect that when God creates the new heaven and new earth, yes, he will bring his people, his newly formed body of believers, because now he'll have the whole company of the elect together and everyone will be a whole in body and soul. They will have their resurrected souls that they received upon the moment they were saved in this world. And they will also have the resurrected bodies 
that God equipped them with on the last day. And, and so God will bring these new redeemed creatures that are like himself, made in his own image and, and fallen and then remade in the image of his dear son into a new world, a new heaven, a new earth. And all we're told about in the Bible is, uh, well, well, first of all, we're told that this new world will not be like this present earth. Uh, uh, God tells us of the glories and the wonders and, and the awesomeness of the world to come, uh, often by telling us something that will not be there that we have a lot of experience with in this world. He tells us there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more curse. And here in this life, we experience all those things. We're uh, very familiar with them, intimately associated with them. And and so when God um, says there's no more pain, and there's people who have experienced awful physical pain and emotional pain and and just the, a lot of pain while while living in this world, or or there's no more sorrow, and and what human being has not experienced sorrow in many ways and. Uh, uh, grief and, and, and tragedy has struck or depression. There's, uh, all sorts of levels of sorrow and we're familiar with them all. It, or anyone who lives any length of time in this world will certainly become familiar with sorrow and death and, and so forth. So when God, uh, in telling us about the new heaven and new earth, he describes it by saying, this will not be there that you know a lot about, and this other thing will not be there that you are intimate with. Uh, you, you're intimate with these things, and and they're hurtful things, grievous things, awful things, things that make us to cry, to shed tears, and then God says there'll be no more tears. And, and you have to shake your head it, almost with the question, can it be? Is it possible that God can create a new earth, a new universe, a new heaven and new earth, a new world and, and make me and you and all of his people new creatures? And that we will inhabit this new place and, and we will exist. We will be personalities. Moses is Moses. Elijah is Elijah. And we will be who we are, only perfected. We, we will be this sinless being that, that God has brought through this earth and purified us and purged away all sin, and and put it as far as away from us as the east is from the west, and he washes us and cleanses us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we come forth in absolute perfection. It's the only way 
we could dwell with him and see him face to face. And he tells us he will dwell with us. He will be our God. We will be his people. And God tells us these things. And then he says, while we're, uh, we're living in this glorious new creation where, where we do have conscience, understanding and existence, we have awareness of ourself, of this new perfect surrounding, of this uh, incredible uh, being, this eternal being that is from everlasting to everlasting, uh, that that is truly awesome in his nature, and we will be in his presence, and we will never once, never once, Will there be, to use the language of this world, because I don't know what other language they use, there'll never be a bad day. There'll never be a moment, a second, a, a, a snap of the finger, where we're cast down in soul, or wherein we are are crying uh, because we, we just don't feel good. We, uh, we, we feel sorrowful uh, because... We lost someone. No, there is no loss of people anymore. There's no more death. There, there's no more, um, entering into, uh, an intimate relationship where you get to know someone, you, you, uh, grow close to someone. And there will be that. There will be a growing closeness between God's people and God and and as we grow closer to God, we'll also grow closer to one another. There will be incredible intimacy and love and, and all these wonderful things, but there will be no loss of them. There will be no going back from them or someone who goes away. They, they have decided, I, I just want to be by myself. I, I don't, there will be nothing of the kind. And our minds that are so set and accustomed and used to all of the negative things that happen in our life in this world. You know, like they say about Eskimos, they have um, so many words for snow. I, I forget the number, but it's a... A great many words for snow because it's all they know. Well, we have a lot of words for, for sorrow and tears and sadness and death and misery. And we, we have a good number of words to express our dissatisfaction, our unease, our anguish, our tribulation, our affliction, our pain, our agony. We have an abundance of words in English language, but in in many languages to express these things because they are our common experience as we live this life, as we go from day to day. Yes, there is some joy and peace and happiness and and nice times and 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 pleasant 
days. Yes, but but everything is offset. Everything is happening with this uh, surrounding atmosphere of a curse upon the whole creation upon mankind we live with the threat of danger with the threat of death with the threat of losing whatever we feel is making us presently happy the the thing that we fear it there's one scripture i forget where it is has come upon me is often the case when one day we wake up and we hear the news we hear the bad news and deep down we're anxious about that we we were fearful of that well there's no more living under the shadow of death there there is only life forevermore and i don't know how that that's possible for a day to live a perfect day. Uh, I can't imagine waking up in the morning and every thought and every experience and, and every thing that happens over the course of 24 hours is absolutely perfect and wonderful and joyous and, uh, you know, uh, it, it, in every degree. I can't understand how that's even possible and I'm sure neither can you, because we live in a extremely imperfect world, and we are unfamiliar with perfection and holiness and perfect goodness and perfect peace and perfect love and all of the attributes and characteristics of God and his kingdom all of those things are true in the invisible realm, in the spiritual heaven, in the kingdom of God. God is the essence of all those things. So, of course, they're there. But here in this world, with our sin, with rebellion against God, well, we, we've um, brought uh, just just terrible things upon us. And yet God in his Bible has said that this world and these experiences are temporal. They're but for a moment and they will give way to a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So God tells us of heaven, of the new heaven and new earth, often in using the language of the removal of, of the negatives and and we just um stand back and wonder and and we say wow it, heaven will be super glorious without that and without this other thing and yet god does not get specific concerning the details of that new creation what it'll look like what creatures will will roam uh, will they fly will they swim Will they run across a land? Will there be land? If we're going to have spiritual bodies, what kind of new heaven and earth will it be? And what type of creatures will inhabit it? We know that God can make spiritual creatures because that's what angels are. Angelic beings 
are spirit creatures. And, and could God make a, uh, an array of spirit creatures similar to angels in that they're a, a, a spirit creature, but different than angels? Of course he could. But again, these are things that, that we, um, can only wonder about. We're not told specifically. But here in this verse, with the creatures coming off into the dried earth, it's a picture of the new creation. And, and I think it's almost a certainty that God will populate that new creation with creatures that are suited and, and designed specifically and, and perfectly adapted to whatever creation that new world will be. But we have to ask the question spiritually, since we know God is speaking to Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, the eight souls that typify the elect, when God said to them to um, uh, breed and, and be fruitful and multiply, he basically gave another command or was reissuing the command first given to Adam and Eve after their creation. And now it's a new creation. That's the picture. This is the elect entering into, finally, the promised land of this wonderful new creation God has made. Well, the question is, are the elect people of God going to um, be fruitful and multiply in the new heaven and new earth. And when we think of that, we we have to stop because we know that the, the Bible tells us that um, there will be no giving of marriage in the new heaven and new earth. And we really don't read anywhere that the elect will enter into the new heaven and new earth and and like in this world they they will pair up and produce offspring and 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 grow uh, even further the number of people that that are God's elect people as far as i'm aware the bible does not mention that kind of a thing it uh, i don't I don't see anywhere where that idea is presented. Well, then, what's going on here? Well, first, uh, when we see this language, there is one element where uh, Genesis 8, after the flood, God is uh, looking ahead to the the remaining history uh, that will unfold in this world. And that's why in chapter 9, Noah becomes a husbandman, he plants a vineyard, and soon we're going to see life goes on. Um, the uh, sons of Noah will will have their own children, and the world will be repopulated, and and uh, eventually will will be at the Tower of Babel, the the division of the continents in the day of Peleg, and and then we'll come to Abram, and so history is going to continue. And so there is a historical or earthly physical element to this that we mention where Noah and his family 
are called upon to repopulate the world and to have physical descendants. Also, there's a spiritual element that is in view and also points to the working out of history, the development of history over the course of time after the flood that relates to God's salvation program. It says in Exodus chapter 1, in Exodus 1 verse 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. And that's speaking of Israel's stay in Egypt. They were fruitful, increased abundantly and multiplied. The same language we have here in Genesis 8:17, breed abundantly in the earth, be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Well, the multiplication of the Israelites in Egypt was a picture of God's salvation plan at work in the world. Egypt is a figure of the world. The Israelites, a type of those that God saves out of the world. And and so within Egypt were Israel, God's elect. And they multiplied. And then finally, God brought the entire great multitude of Israelites out of Egypt. He delivered them all. A picture of his salvation. Multiplication and deliverance. Uh, So the language spiritually points to that. We also see in Isaiah chapter 45 in verse 8 we we find the same Hebrew word uh, fruitful. It's 6509 in Strong's Concordance. It says in Isaiah 45, 8, Drop down ye heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth. That's the word fruitful. Let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, Jehovah, have created it. There God directly ties that word fruitful to salvation. And we do know that in God's uh, program of salvation, in his times and seasons, he relates salvation to various seasons of fruit. Well, in this case, it's fruitfulness uh, in bearing children, but it's the same idea. Uh, the, the command to breed abundantly in the earth, be fruitful and multiply upon the earth, has a spiritual identification with God's salvation program that would point to the continuance of time after the flood and the continuing unfolding of history that um, is going to take place. But what about the spiritual picture that we've seen in verse after verse after verse of Genesis 8 that is pointing to the new earth. Is there salvation there? Is there increasing fruitfulness and multiplication of salvation in the new earth with uh, with God's uh, people? And and no, no, not in that sense. There there can't be. 
because there's no sin in the new heaven and new earth. So there, there's no additional salvation, no increasing the numbers of those that are saved. That's impossible. But there can be multiplication and fruitfulness in another way. We don't have time in this study. We're going to have to pick this up in our next Bible study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.